Hello, everybody. Welcome to Media Roots Radio. Today it's going to be me solo, um, or I should say me without my co-host, Abby. And I will be interviewing Pierce Redman. And Pierce is the host and creator of Porkins Policy Radio. He's also heavily involved in the Boiling Frogs podcast and has been doing a, uh, a series uh, with Tom Secker called The CIA in Hollywood that I recommend everybody check out. Some very interesting connections there that most people probably aren't aware of. He's also been doing a really interesting commentary on the uh, the show Homeland. How are you doing, Pierce? Uh, I'm doing good, Robbie. I'm uh, I'm really excited to be to be on Media Roots today. So thank you for having me. Yeah, this is our this is my first time having you on. I don't know why we didn't do this a lot earlier. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no no worries there. <laughs> you and I have been talking a lot recently about just how surreal it is and how strange it is that this sort of new Cold War scenario and Again, just to cl- clarify, I don't mean Cold War in the, in the literal sense. I mean it more in sort of the, you know, because it's hard to come up with another word really to describe what's going on. But basically, uh, a new confrontation with Russia, um, Russia with NATO allies, and sort of, um, you know, the geopolitical situation right now. I, you and I end up talking about it a lot and kind of wondering why there aren't more people uh, bringing light to this. And you're one of the only people, honestly, that I know on the internet or really anywhere that is plugged into what's going on in regards to this, and I can actually talk to about it. <laughs> so <laughs> I really value that um, uh, because there's not very many of us out there. Um, and uh, yeah, and I think it's good to just, you know, to know uh, who's out there and who's actually paying attention to what's happening right now and and you've also done some really fantastic insightful uh commentary on just elements of like american uh uh, tv and movie culture Mm -hmm. for people who haven't listened to your podcast and who haven't heard things like the the ca and hollywood uh, series why don't you um describe what those are about uh for our listeners Sure. Yeah. So, uh, so as Ray was saying, I do a, I do a bunch of different podcasts. Um, Porkins Policy Radio is is my main one, um, but uh, and I cover all sorts of topics on that. Pretty much anything that I want to talk about. I'll, you know, Robbie has been on the show a couple of times um, to discuss his movies. Um, but yeah, and I also, uh, you know, I also am very, very interested in geopolitics and particularly the sort of Central Asian. Uh, NATO, uh, Russia, that sort of uh, that that realm, and uh, and I do cover a lot of uh, you know what I think we're going to be talking about with my uh, friend Christoph Gehrman on uh, our podcast Porkin's Great Game. But um, my uh, I, I guess one of my my real passions though has always been film. I've always been a big film buff. I'm you know very much into cinema. Um, and uh, Tom Secker and I, uh, my good friend who also is uh, over at BFP. We uh, we've just always been interested in it, and we did you know we would do a ser- you know we'd just do podcasts whenever we had a chance you know dissecting movies getting into some of the the, the memes and the ideas that are being presented in this uh, but we were always really interested in the CIA connection um, there's a lot or not a lot actually not enough is made about the Pentagon connection to Hollywood 
um, you know, beyond the sort of base level, oh, it's about, you know, making the military look great. Uh, but people don't understand quite the level to which uh, the Pentagon is enmeshed within Hollywood culture. And even more so, people don't really understand the relationship that the Central Intelligence Agency has with uh, with Hollywood. So Tom and I decided that we wanted to, you know, we wanted to do something on this. So we, um, I guess almost a year ago, uh, we, we released the first season of the CIA in Hollywood. And, and in that, we kind of, um, we sort of tried to take a, a good sort of broad look at the relationship. So we started historically going back to the uh, early 1950s, uh, talking about when the CIA first got involved in the actual sort of production of film. So we talked about, you know, when George Orwell passed away, the CIA at the behest of E. Howard Hunt went and actually, uh, the CIA personally bought the rights to Animal Farm in 1984, and then the CIA went and they produced uh, film versions of both of these movies. Oh, and, I didn't realize that. Wait, uh, just to stop you really quick, what, what, when did those movies come out? I don't even, I didn't even know about that. Uh, Animal Farm came out, I want to say 1953, 1954. It's an animated film. Uh, it was actually um, produced by uh, Hallis and Bachelor, which are a very famous animation house in um, the United Kingdom. And they've done all sorts of, um, uh, you might be familiar with the uh, Kraftwerks uh, music video for Audubon. That yeah. was Hallis and Bachelor. Um, they've done a lot of other stuff, but they were also very well known for propaganda films. They did a lot of uh, cartoon propaganda during World War II. And also in the 50s as well, they did a lot for like the Marshall Plan. They would make these really epic cartoons all about the Marshall Plan. Wow. And they were approached by the CIA uh, because of their knowledge with making propaganda films to actually make an animated version of Animal Farm. And, um, of course, the, the ending was altered, um, you know, as per the CIA's wishes. And, uh, the, and in 1984, they didn't really alter too much. It's just not a very good movie, which I think is... Part of the purpose of that was to sort of dissuade people from reading 1984 <laughs> and, you know, looking at the, the sort of broader implications of it. Uh, and then we sort of, uh, we just, you know, we, we always pick a couple of different films and we get a great guest to join us and we kind of dissect them. So in the first season, we did spend um, a little bit more time kind of laying out the actual paper trail, you know, talking about... Uh, you know, particular directors, particular actors. You know, we did a whole episode about um, uh, Robert De Niro, whose uh, career as a you know CIA Hollywood operative is quite uh, quite long and varied. Um, so we talked about things like Meet the Parents, Meet the Fockers. We talked about his uh, you know Ode to the CIA, The Good Shepherd, which is a film he directed. Uh, and we kind of get into some of the core messages that the CIA wants to impart on viewers when they go to see these movies. And we pick a variety of movies, too, where uh, sometimes the message is to make the CIA look good. Uh, sometimes the message is to make them look kind of silly, like in Meet the Parents, where, you know, the CIA is Robert De Niro, who's sort of this bumbling, uh, you know, avuncular figure. But ultimately, he's a good guy. You know, he's he's just a dad. He wants his daughter's wedding to be perfect are you familiar uh, but, with uh, agent cody banks yeah 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 exactly <laughs> so yeah, just, yeah, i yeah. just thought of that when you were mentioning that <laughs> yeah. sorry continue um, 
Oh, you know, then we, we looked at a movie like The Recruit, which is uh, portrayed as a CIA. It's a very dark, awful institution. Oh, that's that a does, weird uh, one. Yeah, yeah. It does, you know, horrific things. Is that Colin um, Farrell? Colin Farrell, Al Pacino. Um, and it's uh, it, it's becoming clearer and clearer that Chase Brandon, who is a very famous CIA operative, uh, foreign operative, who then later in uh, the mid-1990s actually went and moved to Los Angeles to set up the CIA's entertainment liaison office. He was deeply, deeply involved in that film and might have even been uh, you know, so, so involved as to have actually been writing large chunks of that script. Now, that movie, The Recruit, as I said, is a very dark portrayal of the CIA. Uh, it's filled with a lot of occult black magic imagery throughout the entire film. And that movie is actually played to recruits, actual recruits that the CIA has. These are people that are going to be in uh, the clandestine services, so stationed overseas, executing and murdering people, stealing information. When they're driven to the farm, which is where the CIA trains its operatives, they actually play the film The Recruit. No kidding. Yeah. That's creepy. Yeah, very creepy. Yeah, because that movie, <laughs> that, like you said, it's extremely dark. It, it paints an unfavorable portrait in a lot of ways. It, it, there's even a scene where, um, without you know, if anybody wants to see this movie, spoiler warning. There's a scene in the movie where they basically trick Colin Farrell into thinking he's being kidnapped. It's all mm-hmm. staged. It's actually very similar to the scene in V for Vendetta, where they, um, uh. I forget the main character's name, where V kidnaps her, makes her think that the government, yeah, makes her think that the government is um, trying to get information about V from her when it's actually V the whole time, sort of (laughs) training her to live without fear and to like really, you know, embody this idea of what V was, that he was like an idea, a resistance Mm. uh, figure. But there's a scene in, in The Recruit where they stage a kidnapping of Colin Farrell, and there's even some like it's it gets it gets pretty like risque. Even I remember that they like they like hand him a pair of pants of like his female compatriot CIA recruit, and they're like, here, like she like she pissed her pants, and they like throw mm-hmm. her like piss covered pants at him in like the jail mm-hmm. cell. Then like they open up like the window like to the cell, and it's like this class like watching him <laughs> in this. It's yeah. like fake torture scenario. Yeah. So it's a really dark movie. And that makes me just think, I wonder if that's it's just sort of shown to these people to psychologically almost like scare them. Like, um, what, mm. what, what is your take on that? Why, why do you think, think they uh, show that to them? A particular, well, I think one, you know, and again, Chase Brandon in like special features for the DVD says, oh, well, that never happens. You know, that's just Hollywood, um, which is a joke. Um, you know, obviously the CIA... Uh, does train you in how to withstand torture. The military does that. This is pretty common knowledge. Yeah. But I think the overall point is that um, that movie portrays a very dark uh, group of individuals who are involved in this uh, particular agency. And it shows that, you know, you lose sense of reality when you join the CIA, that you lose sense of morality, that that's how you become a good operative. And ultimately, the the goal of of that movie is to let the American public know that you want those people because there are these there are going to be people that are even worse than them. And you want people that can kind of enter into that dark zone uh, and do horrific, brutal things to people because, you know, they're, they're ultimately they're going to protect us, you know, and protect our freedoms and whatnot. So I think that's the, the ultimate goal of a movie like The Recruit is um, 
is to let people know that uh, you want those people around because there's worse people out there. And also, I think, is a, a sort of nod to psychopaths out there who might be interested in joining the CIA. You know, you can live out all of your, your most disgusting fantasies uh, while you're there. There's even a, um, a deleted scene uh, where there, again, it's like a part of the, the training montage where uh, Al Pacino plays some sort of uh, Russian military uh, intelligence official. Oh God. Uh, and yeah, they're, they're like at a dinner party and then it ends. But after he, he gives this, he says this comment, I can't remember it off the top of my head exactly, but he basically says, you know, you have to be, um, you know, an amoral psychopath. If you want to succeed in this, you have to let your inner psychopath out. That's how you become a good operative. So they're, they're, the CIA is also quite truthful when you read between the lines of a lot of films. So, you know, we covered that. We covered um, – we also cover movies where the CIA is left out entirely. So we, we, um, we did uh, an episode on The Social Network, which is actually a, a, a very good film. Um, just, you know, visually the music is great. The, um, the overall tone of the film is, again, very dark. Um, but, you know, conveniently, everything that's left out of that movie is where all the money was really coming from Facebook. Which was obvious, you know, it was coming from InQtel. It was coming from uh, uh, organizations like VC firms like Greylock Partners, which was filled with former InQtel CIA people. Obviously, it omits the fact that Peter Thiel, when he invested half a million dollars, had just received a you know a large check from the CIA to create Palantir, his uh, you know the premier uh, Silicon Valley spying. Uh, operation, uh, you know. So we we looked at movies like that, and we sort of try to um, overall look at how the CIA is influencing culture as well, how they are creating culture, how they're they're you know they're, how they rewrite events like Argo. You know, we 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 talked about Argo, um, uh, Charlie Wilson's War as well. Um, you know, how they try to reinforce particular ideas. Maybe they're not rewriting something, but they want, this is the narrative. You want to stick to that. And also the, the sort of um, how this has become and how it's growing more and more. We're seeing um, the, the CIA and the Pentagon as well. Both of them are becoming almost uh, inseparable from Hollywood. Uh, and this is a very worrying trend. Uh, in that this is where people, this is where a lot of people get their news is from Hollywood. Mm -hmm. This is how they're informed on events. This is how they're informed on, oh, this is what my public opinion of this particular person should be. It's based on a Hollywood film. Uh, and this is a, a very powerful form of propaganda that goes beyond just, you know, um, Top Gun or, or even Black Hawk Down, things like that. Or ultimately, yeah, the, the military is good. We should look to them. Uh, this is a very subtle, uh, very complicated type of propaganda that the CIA is employing in more and more – in films like things like The Social Network. Um, you know, we're, we're going to be talking about in this second season that we're, we're going to start recording uh, very soon. We've kind of expanded it out a little bit, and we're going to be looking at movies that, to our knowledge, have no uh, direct – CIA involvement. Almost all of the films, excluding the social network in the first season, there was documentable uh, evidence, you know, yeah. that, uh, oh, well, you know, Chase Brandon or Milt Bearden, who's another, um, he was a station chief in Pakistan uh, and Afghanistan, uh, was very deeply involved in Operation Cyclone. He pops up in a lot of these films. 
we're going to be looking this season at movies that, uh, again, are omitting CIA involvement or they're being uh, produced and directed and, you know, starring people that have, you know, their career is predicated on their involvement in the intelligence services. So people like George Clooney, for instance, Grant Hesloff. Um, and we're going to be looking at movies where the CIA would have, you know, uh, you know, would have wanted to have been involved or would be interested in in a particular topic like that, and kind of expanding this out and showing uh, the degree to which uh, other, you know, people within Hollywood are making movies for the CIA. You know, as a hey, this is my audition tape for you. Um, and also, again, we're going to be looking at you know, there are documentable cases. Um, we're going to be looking in the first episode at another historical um, film that uh, again came out in the 1950s and has a lot of connections to um, uh, the 1984 film that also came out in the late 50s. So, yeah, it's a it's a, a really fun show. It, it's probably me and Tom. That's like our favorite thing to uh, to talk about and to you know to do research for. And we've got just a, a phenomenal set of guests. We've got new people. Um, we've got some people from the first season as well, and we should have a bit more information in terms of the guest list and the movies that we're talking about. But yeah, a big part of what we discuss is the way in which the CIA is creating our culture uh, and beyond it just being, uh, oh, we want the CIA to look good. This is sort of going into a realm of they're controlling uh, historical events that for most people, would be very far removed from the CIA. But when you start kind of peeling back the layers, you you see, oh, well, there there was an agenda going on here. Uh, and why are they so invested in all of this? And again, the, the Pentagon is maybe even more widespread. Uh, you know, they're getting involved in things like cupcake wars. Um, Tom uh, and our, our friend Matt Alford, who's an academic who does a lot of uh, research into this, uh, they got a huge... Uh, FOIA dump from the Pentagon's entertainment liaison office uh, from not that long ago, just a couple years ago. And in one of these uh, documents under, they, they have this thing, you know, they talk about, oh, why we got involved in such and such a TV show or a movie. Um, and then they list the reasons. Oh, it's good for morale. It showcases a new weapon. You know, so for instance, the Pentagon was in, is been involved in several episodes of Ancient Aliens on the History Channel. Uh, because no they were shit. able That's... to, uh, you know, uh, demonstrate a new robot that they had invented at DARPA. Weird. But they also have, um, they have these sections within the document where it's sort of about like public outreach, I believe is the phrase they use. But uh, the DOD was, uh, you know, privately meeting with top executives from William Morris Endeavor, which is the largest uh, talent agency in Hollywood. This is uh, Ari Emanuel. For anyone that watches Entourage, the Jeremy Piven character is based on him. He's the brother of Rahm Emanuel. I was going to ask runs, you about him, yeah. Yeah, he runs the – and everyone, virtually everyone in Hollywood is represented by William Morris Endeavor. So the DOD was meeting privately with top executives from William Morris Endeavor to figure out how they could get involved at the developmental level of films. So this is before movie – this is before there's even a script. Yeah. They want to get involved so that they can alter – Every, they can alter the mood. They can take out characters. They can rewrite movies. So big part of this is, yeah, it is, it's pop culture. It's Hollywood. It's a very vapid industry. But uh, it's very troubling the degree to which these very dangerous organizations are 
you know, getting involved now at the developmental level. So that was a very long-winded response. <laughs> no, it's it's all really fascinating. I mean, I, I have some questions about some of the things you said because, I mean, this has been. Um, I don't want to mischaracterize what you're doing and, and stop me if I if I do in any way. But what I really like about what you guys are doing is this has always been a subject that in my mind has been a little bit too dominated by people who purely speculate and who sort of project sort of their own imagination into the films and the TV shows they watch. Like you probably are aware of like the, you know, the term pre-programming in the, in the 9-11 truth world, people overstep quite often with saying things like, Oh, this movie predicted this, this movie has a hint about this. So you get a lot of, there's a lot of sort of like, in the conspiracy world, there's a lot of speculation about what sort of hidden meanings are in movies and popular TV shows that could have been implanted by the government. But what you're doing is you're actually trying to factually look at this and actually find evidence and connections to these agencies. And then, you know, you're, you're, you're touching something that a lot of other journalists wouldn't touch out of fear that it would be crazy, but you're actually doing it with, facts and research. And I think that Mm. that approach is extremely important. And um, it's, I mean, I think it takes courage to do that because, you know, there are people who would on the surface maybe think that the idea that the CIA is working with all these films is just a crazy thing to suggest in and of itself. But I mean, (laughs) it's clearly it's not. Um, Mm -mm. And uh, and like you said, um, and it's kind of similar to where, where the neocons are at now. Uh, it's it's actually really really bad in a lot of ways. It's gotten worse over time. This this collusion. Am I mischaracterizing? No, that? no, no. The the collusion has definitely gotten. I mean, it's reached a level at this point where you, you know it's be, it's you're going to be hard pressed to find a TV show or a movie that the Pentagon uh, hasn't touched. Um, and the CIA is the same. I mean, they're they're getting. Uh, I mean, just look at the amount of uh, spy dramas that are out there. You know, it's Homeland Twenty Four, The Americans. Um, you know, every other week there's another spy movie that's coming out. Uh, you know, so so the the you know espionage culture has become very uh, you know in vogue within Hollywood. When you say and, espionage culture, you, you, the shows you just referred to specifically, they kind of almost imply like a noir era. Mm of espionage culture where it's like gray area. Like mm-hmm. we need to do these evil things to, cause the evil out there is even more evil than the things we're doing. But like, mm. you know, Homeland and the Americans are great examples of that, that it's sort of like, um, you know, if you inverted, well, Homeland is from the American side where it's like, you know, we need to do these horrible things, but you know, even though they're morally horrible, <laughs> we, that's the calculation, you know, that we did it for our own safety or we did it to ends justifies the means. And I think that's an interesting thing is like, it seems like an era that had disappeared from our culture for a while. Like that sort of like gray area, like government agents can also be like cold blooded killers and that's okay. Kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Do you feel like that's making more of a comeback along going along with this? Or, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's it, it now seems like if you want to, um, you know, if you want to make something in Hollywood, it, you better it better be about spies or it better be about the Russians or something like that. I mean, that's you know all the big show, Madam Secretary, um, 
you know, there's a there's just a ton of these sort of shows that are coming out. And yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if you look at the 70s, um, a lot of, uh, you know, there were lots of conspiracy films. And generally in the 70s, and I think this is a reflection of things like Watergate and the, the church committee, the CIA was always portrayed negatively in those films. Mm-hmm. Then you get the 80s coming along and obviously... Um, uh, actually, in the '80s, there's just there's very little mentioned. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. you know, you don't really mention the CIA. Now you can mention the military, you know, but you're not mentioning the CIA. And again, I think that's a reflection of Iran Contra. No one's no one's going to talk about that. But then when you when you get to the '90s, again, you have this sort of uh, sea change within the CIA and their relationship in Hollywood, where you have Chase Brandon and others physically moving out to Los Angeles to set up an entertainment liaison office. Wow. So they saw the writing on the wall that they had to become more involved. And uh, again, now we're, we're seeing this more and more. I think it's, it, it is in a way, um, and, and this is not you know solely the work that Tom and I are, and some of our other uh, colleagues within that field do, but it is, it is becoming a little bit more difficult to kind of uh, – you know, nailed down some of these connections because I think the CIA has uh, understood, you know, since Zero Dark Thirty and Argo, the public, uh, you know, attention on the fact that the CIA was so involved in those two movies has made it a little, they've sort of realized, okay, we got to take a step back. So now what we're seeing are a lot of these sort of, um, you know, pseudo-retired uh, you know, spies that work for, you know, consultant agencies and things like that, think tanks, they're getting uh, involved in, in in Hollywood films. And again, I mean, we, uh, again, Tom got a, a, one of the most amazing documents I've ever looked at talking about this. And it's actually uh, an internal, uh, an inspector general, the CIA's inspector general's internal report on the relationship in Hollywood and they they flat out you know the uh, the IG is asking well where's all the documentation you know like we want to know how many of these films you're involved with and the CIA's response is you know tough titties it's not going to happen you know they and they basically insinuate that they're in they take so many requests that they're you know spending so much time and money either writing to you know producers screenwriters directors getting involved that it would you know it would backlog the CIA if they had to put in a memo every time they did this that's fascinating so that's again that's them admitting that yeah we're so involved in this that it, it would take too much time we would never be able to <laughs> you know um, I don't know you know chase down uh, Baghdadi if we had to fill out all this paperwork. Uh, and there, th- this um, Inspector General's report is great. Tom has it up on his site. I believe it's on mine as well. And, and it's just fascinating listening and, and seeing the level to which um, the CIA is really involved. So much so that, uh, you know, they and they don't keep any records. <laughs> and the, the Inspector General is, is kind of pissed about that. And the CIA is like, eh, it doesn't matter. You know, there's this, it's not a big deal. But we're not, and we're not going to keep records either. You know, we're never going to document all of the people that we're involved with. So it's it's very fascinating. Again, people should be concerned about this, uh, if only because uh, you know it's there's there's just so much crap out in Hollywood right now, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that you have these you know Pentagon, CIA, intelligence connected people basically writing and and uh, developing these films. So, Absolutely. you know, we shouldn't really stand for that. We should, you know, um, 
for instance, you know, this is always a, an example that people uh, will use, but, you know, Independence Day received no support from the Pentagon. Um, and, and ultimately, Independence Day is a pretty good movie, you know? <laughs> Whereas, oh, I don't know, uh, you know, there, there's a ton of other movies that do receive a ton of, uh, you know, like Transformers is just up to its eyeballs in Pentagon stuff. Oh, it's and like it's a, a U.S. military movie. commercial yeah, through exactly. and through. Right, right. Yeah. And it's a garbage movie. So, you know, we should be concerned uh, just from an artistic standpoint that Hollywood is just basically churning out garbage and propaganda and disinformation. But also uh, the the trend that this is going in, we will see a day where it's, uh, I mean, they're there, there won't be a difference between Hollywood and, and Washington, D.C. or Langley. So that's really worrying. <laughs> no, it is. And, and it's like, you know, you don't even think about it, but like just on a really basic level, like a, a movie that has an aircraft carrier in it at mm. some point, unless it's like CGI or a model, they're going to have to work with the Pentagon or the mm. Navy. You know, I mean, they're not, there aren't, there aren't like, rental farms that have certain kinds of military equipment. There are certain kinds of military equipment that to display on film, you pretty much need to work with a military entity mm. to, to show those, mm-hmm. you know, and like something like Independence Day, it's interesting you bring that up because I remember reading about that, that it was actually the mention of Area 51 in the movie that like made the Pentagon, yes. they actually, the Pentagon requested rewrites or else mm-hmm. they wouldn't do it. Um, and whether that, you know, and, and they refused because that's like obviously a huge part of the movie. If they took that out, you know, they would have to like change the plot. Um, and then they ended up using a lot of sort of like rental military equipment for that movie. But they could have saved a lot of money and mm-hmm. time um, if they had done those rewrites. Because, I mean, all those jets in the film, a lot of them were models and miniatures. But, I mean, you know, they could have gotten some nice... Um, uh, uh, nice shots, you know, showing and mm-hmm. having like military jets flying around in the yeah. skies and stuff. Um, and I'm sure you've heard of the movie uh, that was done with the Israeli Air Force in the in the 90s. I, the title escapes me now, but that was a similar thing where it was like it was kind of like a piece of propaganda where um, they used actual like Israeli Israeli military fighters uh, because it was cheaper. Yeah, um, and not because they didn't. It wasn't a propaganda movie. It was they just it was just they wanted to get real dogfight kind of footage. Mm. Well, um, you were just mentioning if you want to use an aircraft carrier. Generally speaking, if you want to use a shot of Langley, of the CIA's headquarters, and we've all seen that in movies, and generally speaking, it's almost always like the same kind of helicopter shot, that requires CIA approval. So just if you want to have that in your movie, just for a split second, the CIA is going to go through the movie. They're going to ask you to change things. So, again, we have no idea the level to which they're cutting out certain things. Yeah. You know, it's impossible to know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of that. Um, there's a famous movie that never got made um, back in the late 80s uh, because they mentioned Iran-Contra. And simply the, the military was like, no, you're not, we're not going to help you. And if we're not going to help you, there's no way you'll ever produce this movie. So the movie never got made. It's fascinating. <laughs> now, I mm. wanted to ask you just a question about Argo, because that movie, it almost seems that there's some things in it uh, where they, they, they go over the history of the CIA overthrowing Mosaddegh. And I'm wondering if that's sort of part of 
um, as part of the propaganda that they're putting out is like they they have to acknowledge certain things to make it feel more to make it feel less like a propaganda story in a certain mm. way like by acknowledging these certain truths about the bad things America did we can basically shove the propaganda down your throat even easier that- oh yeah certainly and again it's it's like not even thirty seconds in the movie exactly yeah they but it, it. but then then I remember I it's even never mentioned that. again. Yeah, no, you're totally right. But I mean, it kind of almost tricked me a little bit when watching. I'm like, oh, this movie's not going to be propaganda. You know, like I was mm-hmm. like going into it thinking, oh, it's kind of more open-minded. Like it, it it's, has a sort of a psychological um, effect on somebody who's already aware of some of these things, you know? Mm. Oh, um, yeah, of course, of course. Um, well, that's what, that's what they'll do. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll throw in little bones. I mean... You know, talking about home, the the first season of Homeland more or less portrayed a very, um, it was a sort of a dicey picture of the CIA. You know, it's sort of, yeah, Brody is, is going to do something horrible. Yeah, he's going to be a suicide bomber, but he's only a suicide bomber because the CIA, you know, blew up this little kid that he had befriended who was the, you know, the son of this <laughs> nefarious Al-Qaeda figure and the vice president is kind of shady and you know, so they they kind of set you up, and you're like, oh, you know, I I watched the first season, sort of like, oh, this is interesting. This is, you know, it, it's still it don't you know, don't get me wrong. This these are the producers from 24, um, you know, and uh, Alex Gansa and whatnot. But yeah, you sort of look at it as uh, this might be a little bit different. And then of course, I mean, the, the the you know the next couple of seasons up until now, it is the most pro CIA show out there, and they've gotten very clever at hiding it. That's for sure. But, I mean, they're, it's no different from anything else. They're just a little bit better at uh, sort of manipulating people, um, you know, interjecting little tiny ideas and seeds in the back of people's heads. I mean, they, uh, for instance, I mean, the fourth season basically predicted what is going on in Afghanistan and Pakistan right now. And this current season... I mean, they they were predicting events days before it happened. I know you, you know we, we were just talking about programming. <laughs> yeah, it's it's bad. They were, um, and it is bad because of course you know like Tom and I talk about it in Homeland, and then you you know I got I can't even remember how many emails about oh look at this and you know that like I'm sure everyone's seen like Back to the Future predicted nine eleven. <laughs> yeah, you know, and um, people were making a really big deal about South Park. Um, this current season, they had a whole episode about ISIS, and uh, people can run crazy with that. And I think that's partly why, uh, from time to time, they do put in actual predictive events, um, because it ends up getting lost in this sea of garbage, you know, where, you know, Alex Jones is talking about how the Simpsons predicted 9-11 or Family Guy, you know, predicted the Boston Boston bombing, you know, so it, it, and they also throw it in there for people like us, conspiracy theorists, you know, (laughs) to kind of get us to sort of pique our interest as well and to be like, yeah, we we know you're watching this and look, we're going to do this and, and people are going to watch it and they're not even going to realize. They're going to inform their opinion tomorrow about some event and they're not even going to realize that that opinion was already formed last Sunday when they watched Homeland. So that's really powerful, and again, that's that's the the form of propaganda that they're getting into, where people can now no longer, uh, you know, we talked a lot about hyper reality in this uh, when we were talking about Homeland. People can no longer differentiate between, uh, you know, the real world and fantasy, 
and they conf- they combine the two. Uh, and you leave people in this sort of, well, I guess, you know, nothing is real. Everything is real. Uh, you know, I, I can't tell. Is is Bo Bergdahl really Brody or is Brody Bo Bergdahl? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Do no, I that's... Bo Bergdahl because, I, because of Homeland? People don't even realize that. They're just, oh, Bo, Bo Bergdahl, he's a Taliban sympathizer. It's so fascinating. No, it is. It's incredibly interesting because, yeah, it's like, well, how does that actually happen? I mean, it, it's... At a certain point, you you almost do sound, and I'm not saying you specifically. I mean, just anybody trying to explain that would sound almost kind of paranoid. But mm-hmm. it's but it's unmistakably there's something there. Um, and and if it's just that sort of like the weird merging of 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 fiction and reality, I mean, for us, it's a super fascinating topic. And on a, a slightly more positive note. You know, Tom and I also have done you know quite a bit uh, talking about you know terrorism and you know false flag terrorism and you know obviously me and Christoph's show we're talking about pretty heavy geopolitical topics. Um, you know, I, I talk about you know international pedophile rings and things like that. Those are pretty dark. Uh, at least with this, we get to watch movies. You know, and it's a little bit yeah. more lighthearted. No one's no one's getting their heads blown off or you know being sexually assaulted. <laughs> um, you know, it, for the most part, it is you know it is about uh, you know films and things. So it's a, it's a slightly more lighthearted. You know, we have a lot of fun too in the podcast. We make a lot of jokes. You know, I mean, we spent in the first season the episode we did on Argo that was the last one we basically spent most of the time just ripping on uh, how much we hated Ben Affleck <laughs> not so much on the analysis yeah no it's a really really entertaining podcast it's super unique um and you can people can go listen to it if they go to porkinspolicyreview.com mm-hmm. do you do you have it on iTunes as well uh it's not on iTunes no i mean we're it the this uh the second season should be because uh, Tom is on iTunes. You put it on YouTube so, though, right? Yeah, it's all on YouTube. Yeah, you can go to uh, my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash 1138 Porkins. You can find all the, you know, there, it's a playlist. You can find them all there. You can also, if you want, you can uh, go to Tom's website. You can buy um, the whole season as a digital download, which is great. You know, that helps us with, you know, FOIA requests and things like that. You know, they, they do cost money. Um, and, uh, you know, so that's another way to, 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 uh, watch them as well. Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely fascinating stuff. So Pierce, you also work with Sabelle Edmonds on the, uh, Boiling Frogs podcast. You've worked with, uh, James Corbett on, um, on various times and done podcasts with them. You guys are actually starting, uh, a new media venture that sounds really exciting. It's going to be a step up from, what most of you have been doing before. So what, tell me a little bit about it. It's, it's called Newsbud. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, the, the name of it is Newsbud. Um, uh, if you go to boilingfrogspost.com, uh, Sabelle has a podcast that she just uh, put up um, talking about Newsbud. Um, it, it's going to be, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to launch this essentially as our own news outlet. Where we're going to be doing, you know, n- not like twenty-four hour, you know, news coverage like like CNN or something like that, but constant news coverage, pretty much, at, you know, almost every day of the week that you go there, there's going to be something new up. We're um, we're going to have an office. We're going to have our own recording studio. Um, as I said, I'm involved. Obviously, Sabelle Edmonds is involved. Um, you know, James is going to be con- at least, con- you know, we're going to be 
uh, mirroring most of his work over there. Uh, Peter B. Collins, Tom Secker, Christoph Gehrman, pretty much the all, the whole BFP family for the most part. We're going to all be part of Newsbud, um, but we also have um, some pretty exciting uh, new people uh, that I can I can I can exclusively release here on Media Roots Radio. Um, Pepe Escobar, uh, of course, from Asia Times. I'm sure all of your listeners are, are familiar with him. He is going to be our main international journalist. So you know, Pepe is going to be doing essentially what he's been doing. Uh, you know, traveling all over the world, um, you know, getting really exclusive stories. I mean, some of Pepe's work is just phenomenally. Uh, his 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 sources are amazing. Uh, you know, his access. He really he goes anywhere. So Pepe Escobar is going to be involved. Uh, Bill Conroy, who um, I hope everyone is is familiar with, he writes over at Narco News. Uh, he's uh, also he's going to be helping with news editing. He's also going to be doing a lot of the national um, news coverage that we're going to be doing. So he's going to be traveling around the country, reporting on uh, various different topics. Um, but you know, I guess I guess the main thing uh, that w- we want is we want Newsbud to be uh, a. It's going to be completely publicly funded. We're not taking any money uh, from corporations or foundations. No billionaire oligarchs like Pierre Midiar or Soros or the Koch brothers, nothing like that. Uh, you know, we're going to have a Kickstarter that's going to be launched this Valentine's Day, uh, February 14th. So definitely, you know, keep an eye out for that. But we also want Newsbud to be, um, I guess, uh, different in the sense that there really isn't a, there's no real sort of large alternative media platform out there right now. Obviously, there's lots of great um, small blogs. I mean, you know, um, like myself included, you know, I, I think I do great work, but I have a full-time job as well. So that's sort of limiting to what you can do. The same for Tom or James or anybody. Yeah. Um, you know, Sabelle is a full-time job and manages to run BFP and do podcasts and articles and things like that. But, um, you know, there's lots of great small websites, small blogs, things like that. But what we ultimately want is we really want a, a platform where you can you know, we'll have great, you know, hard-hitting news all the time. Um, and there's nothing quite like that. You know, there's, like I said, there's small sites, and then there's a sort of big, you know, there's like InfoWars. Um, but you guys are definitely, you have a much different take than InfoWars. Oh, yeah, I guess, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I meant it only in the sense of, like, that's... Just alternative you know, media as a Yeah, that's yeah. alternative media, yeah. and, you know, Alex Jones has got a lot of money to throw around, um, but ultimately it's, it's, yeah, it's mostly garbage. <laughs> I mean, it's all garbage now. Um, but you know, yeah, you've got like Infowars, you've got things like Russia Today, but ultimately these are these sort of large, you know, corporate entities, no, you know, however you want to look at it. You know, yeah. obviously Alex Jones wouldn't exist if he wasn't hawking supplements you know, and bullets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and water filters. And again, RT, you know, for all of the the stuff they did that was good at one point, ultimately, yeah, it is just a state-funded news outlet. Um, So Newsbud will be different in that we will be completely publicly funded. Um, You know, so, and again, why I think that's a a great thing is that we will be, um, you know, people who donate to us, we're going to be accountable to you. So that's a big part of this as well. Um, You know, we're not just going to take your money and, I don't know, you know, make InfoWars 2.0 or something like that. You know, we will be accountable to you, which again is, there's not a lot of that going on in the alternative media. And 
all of the people involved, we take that very seriously. Um, you know, there are, there are people that do good work in the alt media, but when they make a mistake, they're not very quick to correct that. Um, you know, uh, I'm sure we've all done it a little bit, you know, um, but that's a big part. You know, if we want to, if we want to really, I think, uh, challenge the mainstream media, not that we have to become like them, but we've got to be better than them. You know, the mainstream media is the same way. They get, they get huge stories wrong, you know? Um, I mean, just, just the other day, the BBC got caught, uh, you know, using footage from, I believe it was Yarmouk, a uh, refugee camp in Syria, and saying that it was another town in Syria, um, uh, Madaya, where uh, these people are, are starving to death. Um, you know, the BBC, they're going to, oh, yeah, sorry, whoops, some idiot, you know, used the wrong footage. They're not really going to take credit for something like that. Uh, you know, at Newsbud, we're, we're taking this very seriously. Uh, and we're really, you know, we're going to make sure that if we, if we put something out there, this has really been vetted. You know, we don't want to get stuck uh, uh, putting out false, you know, news or anything like that. So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're all really excited. We're going to have a lot more stuff coming out about it soon. As I said, Sibel uh, already has a, an episode up with her and Peter B. Collins and Pepe Escobar talking about Newsbud, talking about, you know, what the, the, the broad goals, how we're going to be different, why we all joined as well. Uh, the Kickstarter, as I said, will be on uh, February 14th. And, um, you know, anyone that's interested in, uh, you know, staying up to date on this, you can uh, sign up. You can go to my website, and on the left-hand side, right under my Twitter feed, there's a little button. If you click that, that'll uh, that'll bring you to the email list where you can sign up. It's, you know, completely confidential. We're not going to, you know, sell your information to Google or, or anything like that. Uh, it's just to receive updates about Newsbud. We're, we're going to all be doing a lot of uh, podcasts and videos talking about all of this. I believe there will be something up uh, pretty soon uh, that, uh, um, that Sabella is going to be doing a video podcast on this. I'm going to have some podcasts. We're going to be talking with, as I said, there's a, there's a bunch more people um, that are involved. I don't want to release too many names um, but you know, there's, there's a lot more to come and we're just, yeah, we're, we're really excited about it. And I think again, um, we're so, you know, jazzed up, um, because of the people involved and because there really isn't, you know, like the closest thing was like David Icke tried to do you know, with the people's voice and that completely, uh, f crumbled and fell, you know, fell apart uh, mainly because David Icke is a nut and, you know, it was, uh, <laughs> You know, what did he do with all that money? It seems like he didn't do anything. You know, we're not, we're not David Icke. We will be accountable to you. Uh, and I think we're really going to deliver uh, great stuff. And again, if you love, like, the CIA in Hollywood, if you love the, the work I do with Kristoff or, you know, my, my regular podcast or talk about, you know, Jeffrey Epstein or, or Bo Bergdahl or, or anything, you know, we're going to just – we're going to have such – uh, just such a greater reach with Newsbud. We're going to have more resources, you know? Um, like, like if you like the CIA in Hollywood, I mean, you know, Tom and I will have the opportunity to maybe, you know, travel, maybe go to LA, try and do an interview there. Um, you know, it, 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 it just, the sky's the limit. You know, we're going to go for broke on this. Um, but I think if, if it, you know, if everything kind of comes to fruition, uh, it, it could really be a great thing. And again, something that is really lacking in the alt media. 
you know, it, it seems like now everyone is sort of clamoring to, oh, well, I, you know, I, I want this guy to like me, so I'm not going to say anything uh, negative about uh, whatever, you know. I mean, like, like everyone is so afraid to say anything uh, bad about Putin or Russia, yeah. you know, because everyone secretly wants to be on RT. Yeah. Um, uh, or, 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 you know, people are willing to put up with some of the more, you know, lunatic fringe elements of the alt media because, oh, well, you know, but they, that radio show, they reach a million people every week. So I want to be on that show. I don't care if, if so, you know, he's talking about how, uh, you know, no one died at Sandy Hook, that it was all, uh, you know, Mossad operation or whatever. Um, <laughs> I want to be on that show. So I'm going to just, I'm going to ignore my own morality and, uh, you know, sell my soul to, uh, you know, the supplement providers or whatever, water yeah. filtration units, so that I can be on a show like that. We're, we're going to be different, you know, from all of that. Um, and again, I think it's just a it's a it's a great opportunity too for uh, people to get involved. You know, like at BFP, we're all very involved with uh, the subscribers. You know, we we you know Tom, me, Sabelle. Um, you know, we 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 all take the time. We we comment back. We get into arguments with people. Um, you know, we've uh, you know I've I've met lots of uh, you know just interesting people. I've become friends with through emails or twitters uh, based on that. So we're also going to be. We're going to be as hands-on as possible, uh, and again, there's going to be a lot more about about that. How we're going to be, you know, interacting with the the fans in the in the weeks to come, leading up to um, the launch on Valentine's Day, as I said. So, um, yeah, really excited about it. Again, you know, if you want to if you want to know more, you can go to my site. You can also go to BFP, uh, and you can sign up for the email updates. And you know, every time we have something new, we'll send it straight over there. And uh, I'm assuming everybody involved is probably going to be talking about this on their own respective websites. You, James, uh, Sabelle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And we're, again, we'll, we'll have more up, you know, there's other people, for instance, um, that, uh, you know, we haven't released names yet and yeah, they're going to be doing stuff, but yeah, definitely I'll have, I'm going to probably do a solo show talking about news, but on my, on my podcast, I'm definitely going to be talking with Christoph, um, you know, because Christoph and I have some interesting ideas for what, you know, how we could expand uh, the podcast that we already do when we're at NewsBud, um, which will be really interesting. Uh, so, yeah, I think Tom is going to do something as well. Um, you know, well, there's going to be a ton of, of stuff. So definitely keep, you know, keep tuned into my website. I'll be mirroring pretty much everything that comes out. Also, you know, you can always go to BoilingFrogsPost.com. And, uh, uh, yeah, and I wanted to recommend um, for people who haven't heard of Christoph, uh, follow him on Twitter immediately, because yeah. <laughs> um, that guy sends me. I mean, he's uh, he's just on the ball. Like he'll send me. I mean, he sent me several things like twelve, twenty four hours before they anybody else was talking about them. Where mm -hmm. I was like, "Holy shit! Like, where'd you hear about that?" So, um, and uh, what's what? Do you know what his Twitter handle is off the top of your head? Yeah, uh, Christoph's is New Great Game. New Great Game. Uh, yeah, and you can find all of his writing if you go to christophgerman.blogspot.com. And that's, German is like German with two N's. Yeah, no, I mean, again, yeah, uh, like, <laughs> I'm like pretty knowledgeable about like Central Asia and the Caucasus and NATO and Russia, but Christoph is, I mean, light years ahead of me. Uh, and I, I wouldn't be able to do the podcast with him if, if you know, if it wasn't for all the the amazing work that he does. And again, if you like Christoph's work, um, you know, it, then please do contribute to news, but because it's, you know, it's only going to get better. 
And again, um, you know, everyone involved, uh, if you like the media that they're producing right now, with Newsbud, we'll be able to do, you know, a ton more of really like excellent work. So definitely, yeah. And I, I always recommend uh, people follow Christoph because he's just always, he said the same thing. He sends me stuff and I'm like, how is this not even like, like anywhere else? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, totally. And what's your, your Twitter handle, Pierce? Uh, my Twitter handle is just Porkins Policy. Porkins at Porkins Policy. Yeah. And uh, when, once the Kickstarter, um, is is over uh will will anybody be able to to go to the website and digest the content or is it going to be a subscriber type of model no no it, it'll be it'll be freely available for everybody um, okay we'll have we'll have a subscription um you know if you if you want to uh and you know with the subscription we're still figuring out you know kinks and things like that and what it'll be offering but yeah no for the most part this will be me you know we're we're gonna make this uh, you know available for pretty much everybody and not to um, dissuade anybody from donating to Kickstarter just to give to a good cause, but there's probably people out there wondering what um, what bonus uh, perks do they get for? Do you, do you have you guys figured out if you're going to be we doing have any giveaways oh, yeah, or there, anything? Yeah. Oh yeah, no, there's definitely get, yeah, there's <laughs> definitely going to be giveaways um, and stuff like that. Um, I guess we haven't really uh, finalized anything like that. Okay, so you know I'm going to wait. Um, you know, Sabelle will again be be releasing a lot more on this but um yeah there definitely there 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 are for sure perks i can you know i can attest to that <laughs> yeah and for anybody who's just completely unfamiliar with sabelle or or any of the work you guys do um or have done on bfp um you guys are extremely adversarial when you guys were going after greenwald um pretty pretty hard i think maybe it's Jeez, it's been almost a year yeah. um, now. Uh, I was like, whoa, you know, kind of like I was getting kind of pissed at some of it. I'm like, wow, is this really, is this really like fair? And then, you know, in the end, I mean, a lot of the stuff you were saying was very fair and true. A lot of this came out of the BFP roundtable that Sibel did with Peter B. Collins and James Corbett. And they were talking about uh, Dennis Hastert, who is the you know former Speaker of the House. He is uh, you know this, one of the slimiest, most corrupt politicians. Uh, he's a pedophile. He's um, and they were talking about his his uh, you know pedophilia case that is sort of you know was I don't you know was got a, a couple little you know Reuters things like that. But it was for the most part pretty much covered up in the mainstream media completely, and even in the alternative media, no one was really talking about it. That's true. Um, so those are the kind of, you know, we're, we're going to cover stories like that. We're going to cover stories, again, that you're not going to see in the alternative media. Um, definitely, you're not going to see them in the mainstream media. Uh, but yeah, that's another, you know, again, if you're interested in, in, in those sort of stories and stories that kind of go beyond, um, you know, the, the sort of, I don't know, the sort of memes that are very popular within the alt media, um, but yeah. again, also, I mean, we're going to be, you know, and we're, we're, we've got a lot of different ideas, you know, we're also going to have some, you know, more kind of fun shows going on. We've got, there's a lot more, as I said, there's a lot more people involved that, uh, you know, we're going to hold off on releasing everybody's names, but it's going to be, there's going to be a lot. There's going to be stuff for people that are, 
you know, really into, you know, Central Asian geopolitics. There's going to be stuff for people that are in, you know, that are involved in, in activism all over the United States. There's going to be stuff for everybody. Um, so, yeah, again, uh, it, it, it's really exciting. And, um, yeah, I guess that that's all I have to say on Newsbud right now. <laughs> you know, you guys cover things that aren't really even memes in the alternative media. And one of the things in particular recently that you guys did, which was amazing was um sometimes you'll you'll cover things that are like the tip of the iceberg of it gets into the mainstream media or it's like a blip in the alternative media like the jeffrey epstein thing Mm, um mm -hmm. gawker ran that that's actually how i even heard about it was gawker and i was kind of like wow this is weird that no one else in the media is really kind of going you know digging into this and then you guys did this fantastic um podcast maybe even multiple podcasts um where you just combed over so much detail. And I was like, holy shit, like there, it's like when you hear something like that, the contrast, you know, between this basically silence in the media <laughs> and you hear that, you're like, well, there's obviously something to this. I mean, there's a cover up going on here. A lot of people were involved in this, what is essentially a child sex trafficking ring. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's just amazing how much stuff out there is being ignored. And we didn't even get a chance to talk about interpreter mag really. Um, there's probably not much time to now, but I mean, even something like that, you know, you and I have talked about just how weird it is that, um, that just gets no coverage, you know, like what is the deal? Oh yeah. 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 And, yeah. Well, I mean, we, we, if you want to chat, we, I'm, I'm still good to chat if you want to do a little bit more on that. Oh, well just briefly. I mean, I mean, wh- wh- why don't you just, give the synopsis of what happened. I mean, cause this was something mm. that, um, you know, this is kind of an example of what like your show would talk about something like this or, or, or media roots would. Cause it's just like out of frustration almost like, why isn't anybody else covering this? You know? Mm. Well, um, I think it's, it's also a great, um, it's a great example of, uh, what we're, we're attempting to fight against, but basically, uh, the interpreter magazine, which is, it's not a magazine, it's an online uh, site, uh, you know, that was started not that long ago. Um, and it basically is a sort of, uh, it's a sleek, it's a very nice looking website, but they basically just, you know, kind of crap on Russia all the time. Uh, they did, they started doing a lot of translations of, uh, you know, Russian article, you know, from a different uh, perspective, I guess, is how they would say it. They're mostly, you know, sort of pro-NATO, uh, pro-Western uh, Russian articles. But um, they recently uh, I, I were absorbed by Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty, which, again, the, the CIA's premier propaganda, media propaganda uh, outfit. And it's like the most bizarre acquisition. And, and I mean, you, Robbie, you know even better than I how bizarre Radio, uh, Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty was about even talking about the interpreter. But, you know, if you like go to the interpreter's website, it's basically, you know, at the very top, it's brought to you by RFERL, um, the About Us. You, you'd barely even know that the interpreter existed before RFERL uh, acquired it. And, um, you know, like, for instance, on like on the disclaimer, you know, RFERL is basically, you know, they're not liable uh, for anything uh, that the interpreter, uh, you know, puts up that's wrong uh, on republishing RFERL um, maintains the right that you you know you can't republish an interpreter art article uh, until 24 hours after the original publication. Uh, RFERL reserves the right uh, the uh, I'll read it exactly. RFERL reserves the subsequent and perpetual right to demand edits to 
or the removal of all content that has been republished from the interpreter. So basically you have this uh, slick, uh, I guess kind of, you know, like stuff we've talked about, this sort of like hipster media um, sort of a platform uh, that essentially is sort of anti-Putin. That's more or less what it is. Yeah. Um, and, and it's filled with, uh, like, for instance, like Catherine Fitzpatrick is a translator and analyst for the interpreter. She formerly worked uh, directly for uh, RFERL. She also worked for Eurasianet. And I actually know her to a degree um, through uh, Twitter and stuff. And she, I had done an episode about uh, Tor, the Tor project, and she, you know, went after me and was saying that I was, you know, covering up for pedophiles and drug dealers and that we should, that's why we should get rid of Tor. Uh, but she's also really famous for writing this insane book about how uh, Snowden is actually, an, you know, is a Russian intelligence operative. No shit. So this, yeah, this this whack job is also on staff at The Interpreter. Catherine Fitzpatrick is is, is definitely, um, she's like well-connected to the intelligence agencies. Uh, she's also a big, um, she's like obsessed with Second Life. <laughs> Huh. Uh, this is always like a red flag. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, it pretty much confirms a lot of the things that we were suspicious of for like the past year that, mm. you know, that there are actually potentially front groups for the U.S. government putting out so-called independent media. Yes. Um, and, you know, that this doesn't necessarily completely prove that, but it it. I mean, it pretty much does because it's like regardless if they were a front organization the whole time or if they're o they're just only now a front organization, it, they were producing content that was exactly in line with the sort of the the propaganda wars that were going on. I mean, it was designed by design, um, like you said, is all is all about Putin. I mean, they even almost seem to omit the Russian people and also all their coverage. It's almost yeah. like they're beyond that stage. They're no longer concerned about talking about the gay law or the plight of the no. Russian people. It's all, they want it to feel like the cold war during the fifties, when we looked at communists as almost like aliens, like they were, mm. you know, like, deep. no, no, totally. It's, totally. It's interesting. Um, mm. But there it's, is no Russian people to interpreter. Exactly. It's just, it's just Putin. You know, maybe Kadyrov gets mentioned. Uh, you or know. even the Syrian people. Like, if you go to their website, yeah. there's a section that's called Putin in Syria. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, right. why, why in the fuck isn't there a section about, like, the Syrian humanitarian crisis or, mm. you know, or civil liberties in Russia, the, you know, the media crackdown in Russia? It's like, it's like, if they were talking about things like that, it would almost feel more legitimate and that's what i mean by they've moved past that point it's now they don't even care it's like they've gone it's like whatever rfe rl was doing sort of more on that doing that balancing act where they were being a little more fair this sort of implies that they've they've decided now to flip a switch where it's they're they're taking the the it up a notch um from mm. how it was before oh yeah they they have a they have a, a section you know right next to putin and syria window on eurasia they don't they don't talk about uh anything in, in, in central it's all about russia you know or maybe they mention the chechnya but you know earth to them that's that's the caucasus that's not you know <laughs> the, you know they're not talking about central asia or anything like that and there's a ton of stuff going on like you know uh, even relate. That's what's crazy is they could be talking about Central Asia as it relates to Putin's foreign policy, but they won't even touch that. It's just you know if if if, if Putin's name is even uttered, 
uh, you know, by some, oh, you know, the interpreter will cover that. Uh, and again, I mean, the, the editor is Michael Weiss, who's, again, one of these sort of hipster neocons that's come out. Yeah, and he's, I mean, he is super questionable, too. I mean, like, he's mm. worked with Elizabeth Obagi, and um, he was right on the forefront of pushing the Syrian chemical weapons thing when it first yep. happened. He co-wrote that paper with Peter Pomerantsev that was, might have actually been the sort of the foundation for the book he ended up releasing. I might have that the opposite, and like, he, the, that paper might have come out after. But he's been basically heavily involved in all this and he is more sort of one of those intellectual neocons he's not like a shrill agitator like jamie kerchick no and going back to what we were talking about um uh shit i think it was on your podcast actually (laughs) um about uh about how there's there's sort of these more uh, people who appeal more to intellectuals i almost feel like if you want to just think of like two sides of the of the um the the styles that these neocons do one side could almost be like the robert kagan side and the other side would be like the bill crystal side like almost like the cartoon punditry side which is like bill crystal you know his sort of like uh his candidness and his um you know his kind of just craziness and then robert kagan who's actually made a concerted effort over time to make himself more broadly appealing to people mm. outside of mm. neocon circles. And I think that's a really important thing too, that the, these people um, are able to do that. And interpreter mag, I mean, in a weird way, a lot of people take them seriously, but, but yeah, it's interesting that RFERL seems to have acquired them and not just absorbed them into their company, but they're keeping the sort of the name interpreter alive. And, um, it makes me wonder if they don't, if they're not really comfortable yet with ramping up their own uh, propaganda coming directly from them. Like they want to just sort of, you mm. know, put it out there. I don't know. It's yeah. It it raises a whole lot of questions. There's a lot more to this story. Um, well, how long was this in the works for? Exactly. You know? Um, because again, the interpreter announced it. What was it, like a month or two months ago? I think it was only a couple nothing, weeks ago. Oh, maybe okay, yeah, and then nothing from RFERL. You know, yeah. they, they wouldn't, they, no, you know, nothing about that. Um, you know, so it, yeah, there's a question about that. There's a question about I'm not sure, but I mean, they're still taking donations on the interpreter website, but they're now being ostensibly they're being funded by the government. I don't know if that's are you allowed to do that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's what I was wondering. There's got to be some. Yeah. Either they change their standing as what kind of business they filed under. It's confusing and it does raise a lot of questions. And that's part of why I think this is a, worth digging a lot more on because there are very few people paying attention. And because of that, they may have slipped up and, and maybe there's some things still out there waiting to be found that could really um, potentially damage them. Mm. Um, and, and, and hopefully do some damage to Michael Weiss's, uh, career trajectory because the guy Mm. deserves to be called out uh, as what he is. And he's now Mm. technically a government propagandist. Whereas before he was maybe just, he seemed like one, but now he actually is literally one. Mm. I'll also say too, it, uh, I don't think it's, it bodes well for RFERL and I'll, you know, I'll say right now, I personally actually love RFERL. Um, I I read RFERL every single day. It's the only uh, I get you know mainstream media outlet that I have 
on my website next to you know all the other the sites that I follow. It is a, I mean it's, it is the CIA State Department's propaganda arm, but it is well written. They do cover uh, places like Central Asia and the Caucasus, uh, also South Asia. Um, you know they they cover regions that no one uh, anywhere mainstream or alternative media ever cover. You know if you want to know what's going on in uh, you know Turkmenistan. You're going to go to RFERL if you want to understand what's going on in, uh, you know, um, uh, Georgia or, um, you know, Abkhazia or some of these, you know, Transnistria or something like that. You're going to go to RFERL. And unfortunately, I, I think this is uh, is kind of it it marks a step from RFERL where they were covering a variety of topics into now they're ju they could just become the you know anti-putin they could become the you know america's rt <laughs> and they um, and unfortunately yeah i think you're right that whatever positive content they're putting out like you said they covered areas that no one else is covering and you understandably have to take that in with the understanding that there is going to be a slant to it um but if you understand that you can pretty much absorb content from anywhere and that's that's what i try to tell people is even if you know even if you're reading a neocon website like the Weekly Standard, there's extremely valuable information to to mm -hmm. take from that, as long as you oh, understand I mean, the, what direct yeah. what angle it's coming from. Mm -hmm. Well, was it, with with RFERL, I mean, you, if you really read between the lines, they uh, you know there are definitely this is something Christoph and I have talked about. There are a certain group of people within the clandestine services that read RFERL. And they read between the lines and they can tell, oh, okay, this is what we're going to be doing soon. Or, uh, you know, um, this is going to be our new battleground. You know, RFERL will, they will mention topics and places that no one else is talking about. And then a month, two months down the line, a year maybe, suddenly that is the, 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 the next, you know, geographic area that everyone is obsessed with. So again, yeah, RFERL is it is a great news service if you can understand that if you can kind of, you know, uh, navigate through that sort of web. There's a lot of real, and again, it, it they generally do produce. I mean, it's it's well done, you know. Um, so this, it's kind of depressing <laughs> that you know even if you if you go to RFERL's website right now, you know, it, it's all Ukraine, Russia, Putin, which they were always doing. But the, you, there's definitely a sort of a marked step from. We're, but we're also going to cover the Balkans. We're also going to cover uh, you know Moldova. We're going to write about Azerbaijan. You know, you're not seeing that right now. Now it's all just anti-Putin stuff. So, well, because I think I think there was a moment where they felt like they could appeal more to the international community and maybe internationally minded people. Like, for instance, getting like the Estonian president to go out there and talk about how scared of Putin he was. Maybe people like RFE or RL or some of these other think tanks thought that that would have a more profound effect, um, and it didn't really. Nobody really seemed to give much no. of a shit. So I think that maybe <laughs> that's part of why they're going away from that and more just to directly to the jugular. RFE, RL is becoming more sensationalistic, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and that's that's kind of interesting. So I don't know. We'll We'll just see how it plays out. It's not... It's definitely not finished yet. This is uh, <laughs> no, it's right, just begun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, there's. I mean, there's so many. There's there's just so many interesting things we could talk about. But yeah, we should probably 
um, wrap it up here. But um, everybody, uh, definitely check out um, the Newsbud Kickstarter, and that's on the fourteenth of February. Yeah, February fourteenth is when it'll we'll we'll launch it, and as I said, we'll have lots of updates uh, from now until then. And um, you can listen to Pierce's own podcast, uh, the Porkins Policy Radio, on YouTube. Or uh, you can go directly to his website, uh, PorkinsPolicyReview.com. Sibel already has an episode about Newsbud up on the BFP website. And that's on my website, too. You can always okay. go there and, and find all that stuff as well. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Robbie. Yeah, thank you, Pierce. Um, and uh, have a good rest of your evening i believe it's nighttime there now yeah it is now (laughs) (laughs) all right man take care thank you